97.1 FM Talk Podcast. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts. All right, welcome back. Second hour of the Mark Reardon Show on St. Louis's home for conservative talk. We have uh, Sue Thomas in the house, of course, the aforementioned. How about old Fred Bottenheimer over there, ladies and gentlemen? We, did share, we shared your story at the beginning of the hour. Did you hear that? Oh, good. No, I missed that. Hang on. Your mic wasn't on. Oh, Try sorry. No, I missed that. Uh, well, you said you can retell the story because it's your story, Fred. We it just is kinda, your story, Fred. We just kind of <laughs> stole it from you. Well, that, that introduction to me, good old Fred Bottenheimer there. Uh, I was walking my dog last night and went around the corner and ran into a couple neighbors and I actually had to tell them and convince them that I have two, or they thought I had two separate names on radio because I'm on KMOX and KFTK. And they thought I was Fred Bottomer on KMOX and Bottenheimer <laughs> and on KFTK. And I, so, and it's good because I love telling the Kenny Wallace story. Oh, that's of how, true. You know, I, how that name came to be. It does kind of lead how, you into a nice tale. That's right, how I didn't, didn't well, correct him after he kept calling me the wrong name. He, so he did it like a bunch of different... Oh. You see, he's too polite. I kind of forgot about this aspect of the story, right? He well, called you more than one time. He did that more than he was, once. He was filling in for you, and I figured he had so many things to worry about <laughs> that I didn't need to tell him that he kept calling me the wrong name. Oh, so, I um, I guess... Somehow, eventually, you found out. But, I mean, I, I could see how it would be confusing since we play that clip. And if you don't know the the origin of the clip... Or if you've never heard, listened to KMOX sure. before, you're right. only a KFTK fan. Exactly. Yes, exactly. All right. Before Sue's news, a couple of things. Um, I, and I just wanted some advice from both of you on this because I think both of you would be experts in offering advice. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. boy. I, I, had, I can't identify who this person is, but I had somebody that reached out to me today and requested, it's kind of a cool deal, and I'll, when this is all completed, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about it, but um, somebody is going to do something really cool, and they were looking for a handwritten letter from a bunch of people as a congratulations. Again, oh, I don't want to nice. say what this is. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, this is something, and, and it's somebody who's a listener, so that's why I don't want to reveal too uh. much here. That person might be listening. And I thought, well, this is this is pretty cool. And I and I even suggested maybe I asked for a T-shirt size because we can throw in a Mark Reardon show T-shirt. Here's the dilemma, Fred. Do you want to do you want to explain the dilemma? I'm, I'm sure Sue knows as well. What would be the dilemma about a handwritten note from me? Uh, no one can read your handwriting. Nobody would be able to read it. So I honestly, <laughs> genuinely, I want to do this, and I'm going to do it. Well, but I'm almost thinking about having one of you or my wife write the letter. Is that okay to do that? No. Well, you because, need to practice. Sue, Sue. I understand that Sue? your writing is, is it, horrible. Okay, for people who want to just look here, you can but, see. But, okay, question. There, this is no a real way, question. I'll show you on the Twitter right now. There's no <laughs> way you can decipher that. How does it have to be? Are we talking uh, like... Uh, no, it doesn't have to be very so long So if at you all. are doing a personal note, mm-hmm. you need to write it yourself. Yeah, but they're, unless they're listening right now, they're not going to know that it's not my handwriting. I could have Becky do this. I have her... Women handwriting is obvious. I can get in touch with my feminine side. What's I'm, wrong with that? There, nope. You need to Come write on. it yourself. Just, just slow down. Yes, just slow, slow down. down and pay attention. Take your time and write it. Do a couple. Fred, Do a couple. Fred, you know me. You've known me for 17 years at this point. You know that that's not But that's not the possible. polite and right thing to do. Okay. Yeah, but if they don't know, they think, hey, they're gonna know well, he's got nice Becky handwriting. Writes it, uh, <laughs> Look unless at that Fred handwriting. From, I've heard them talk about Mark Reardon's handwriting, and it's not been this ugly. I hope they can read cursive. 
<laughs> I could, you, you could lock me in a room and tell me to write that thing in cursive and say, you'll get out when you're done. I'd probably get stuck in there the whole time. I don't think I'd... That's why, and, and this is impersonal too, but I'd rather just type type it out. Like, I know that, you would, but, but you, you have, can't do that, right? No, you cannot. Okay, I don't like that. I know uh, you don't. Second topic, and I'm genuinely asking the audience for some advice here, and I'm I'm serious about this. I sort of joked about it last week. My uh, one of my new things, I get new things every once in a while, Sue. Yeah, we all do. Is uh, I I've been making recipes on the weekends for my family. So I'm in charge of dinner on Saturday. And so one of the reasons is because my stupid grill's broken and I haven't dealt with that yet. But I, I pulled, there's this website, cookingprofessionally.com, that I somehow get emails from. And they, they offer very simple recipes in some cases. So I've, I've grabbed a couple of them. I made a, like a three cheese macaroni. I made a, this is great. a chicken slow cooker spaghetti with, you know, it wasn't a red sauce. And then this past weekend, I made shrimp scampi, like a baked, Shrimp scampi. It was very simple. That sounds delicious. It what was. do you cook, it was Fred? Delicious. You know, I think I have the same cooking skills as your daughter, Alexa. <laughs> I can make waffles. I can make eggs. And that's it. Um, and you don't make did eggs. Did I mention I can you make prepare. waffles? Yeah. Well, Fred, <laughs> but here's the thing. That's about my limits that's as well, what, mm-hmm. outside of cooking something on the grill, which, you know, right. you get your man card taken away if you can't do that. But this is the idea that I had. This is where I need help from the audience. And I am I'm being serious about this. I think it would be fun to take like an intro cooking class, believe it or not, at this point in my life. I think this is great. So I don't know where where would be a place to turn for something like that. Kitchen Conservatory, I don't know what that is. What's Kitchen Kitchen Conservatory? Conservatory, They may be a little advanced, but it's on Clayton Road. As you head toward the Galleria, Lori Waters and I take classes okay. there every now and then. You've taken a class, okay? Oh, multiple. Well, because I'm I'm willing to do this. I just it's got to be like an intro thing. Oh, this this might be more. All right, let yeah, me. You got to dumb it down. Let me dig in. You know Deerberg's me. has cooking. Deerberg's does, and I've done those before. Those are really fun, and they do it right in front of you. And uh, then you do it yourself. It's kind of fun. Okay. Well, I do want So if anyone has suggestions, um, let's see if we can maybe get something together. I'm willing to do it just because I think it would be interesting. I need to get out of my comfort zone, right? Right. And I, I do, I, I like, I actually have enjoyed making the recipes. I get easily confused. Tells me to do something. I'm not sure what the term is. Then I got to ask Becky, and she goes, "That's your recipe." I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> fine." Like when I asked, I dared to ask for help over the weekend, and that was rejected. But I am having fun. I haven't picked out my recipe for this weekend, though. I have to do that. I, I get like the, I get these emails, and then I'm like, I saw it last week. I got the the scampi one that came in. I'm like. First of all, I look at the recipe. I'm like, okay, that doesn't seem too hard. But man, I'll tell you what, one shallot and one minced garlic, you, you would have thought no vampires were coming around Saturday night at my house. I will tell you that because it was very garlicky, but it had a lot of flavors. So if you got a cooking class suggestion, hit me on the Twitter or you can email. It's at Mark Reardon KFTK. These allegations are deeply concerning. Does the president have any comment? We're not going to comment. It's not clear messaging. And now, Sue's News. Brought to you by Sue. It's National Cereal Day. Did we know this? Do you not have any audio in here today? I do. I, well, yeah, I do. <laughs> oh, I I do. oh, here it is. There's yeah, yeah, one. yeah. I didn't know that. that I was getting ready for it. Thank you, Fred. Thank you for paying attention. In <laughs> well, a new I was poll, paying attention, but I wanted to make sure that the next thing I wasn't supposed to do is press a piece of audio. <laughs> no, that's fair. Here is what we learned. 11% of people claim they put the milk in the bowl before adding cereal. Okay, Wrong. that's just... That, what no. is the matter with people? They're communists. It's the only thing I can come 11%? up with. 11%? I no. thought that was high. Well, that's like one out of every 10 is challenged that yeah. way. Why would you do that? Here's what they say. 
They claim that it gets less soggy. I guess because you pile it, it on, on top, top it. yeah, and then you can stir it in as you, whatever. Abby. I, you know, I've never been bothered by a little soggy cereal. You get the really crunchy, then yeah. the kind of soggy, then the super soggy, and that's just how cereal is. Thank you. Yeah. 11% of people are out there doing this. I'm just saying. Not 10%. Nope. Not 12%. 11. <laughs> 11. And 126 years ago today, that uh, National Cereal Day, probably based on this, in 1897, Dr. John Kellogg served the world's first cornflakes. And he did that to his patients at a mental hospital in Battle Creek, Michigan. <laughs> there you go. just a side wow. note. At 48 years ago today, in 1975, this is where the music comes, David Bowie released his ninth album, Young Americans. Oh, this is a great song. Ah, One is. of my favorites Me by too. David Bowie. I was very lucky to see him just one time. Oh, really? Way back in 1984. Where? Something roundabout. It was at Chicago at the Rosemont Horizon. That's awesome. No, I, no it wasn't. It was 80, 87 because I was living there at the time just briefly before I came back to Columbia. He was awesome, by the way. We pulled in just behind the bridge. He lays the it was a very theatrical show, as you might imagine. Uh-huh. But I, it was on the uh, the Let's Dance Tour. The only time I saw him. Oh, that's cool. This was 48 years ago today. Now, it, this album had fame on it, but that is not my favorite song from the album. Oh, this I like is, that and uh, that's why we're hearing this. I like fame, though. Yeah, well, there's nothing fame, wrong with either. Fame, fame. But if this one will now get stuck in your head, and I apologize for that. She was a young American. That's a great song. Love it. And then 12 years ago today, I bring this up just because I can't believe it was 12 years ago. It was in 2011 when Charlie Sheen was fired from Two and a Half Men. Hashtag winning. 12 Man, years ago. That that does kind of put things into perspective. That was such a big deal at the time, yes. right? You saw it everywhere. It was the big story for, I feel like, weeks. Oh, yeah. Easily. But, yeah, and that where was is he 12 years days? ago. Where, where did he know. go? Because he, he, he hung on for a while after that, you know, was still posting things. And then I have no idea what, what happened to him. I don't either. Um, my next story is a serious one. This is this is why I do not vacation in, in Mexico. I know a lot of people do. I get it. It's cheaper. To me, it's not worth it. There are way too many other places to go. You can go to Florida, the Bahamas, the Bermuda, St. Thomas, wherever you want to go, the Cayman Islands. I bring this up because of the four Americans kidnapped in Mexico over the weekend. And just today, they were discovered Two of them had been killed, and two were still alive. They just brought the two who are still alive over back into America. Uh, One of those is fine. The female is okay. The man had been shot in the leg. But can you imagine? Now, what had happened was uh, they were driving a white minivan with North Carolina plates into Matamoro, Mexico. It's It's a Texas border town. And they were abducted by armed gunmen and put in a vehicle. And the uh, Mexican government was speculating that the Mexican cartel may have mistaken them for Haitian drug smugglers. It's all just nuts. And uh, the Americans were not there for the beach. It was a woman who was going to get a Mexican tummy tuck because it was cheaper, and three of her friends. Now, two of them are gone, and uh, um, 
I, I, I don't know that we've gotten word whether she is the one who is uh, alive and uh, the guy friend that was shot, but that's the do, situation. Yeah, serious question here. Do we know what a Mexican tongue is? Is it just because well, it's getting cheaper? a tummy tuck in Mexico I think it's is cheaper? cheaper. Right, right. Now, I would, I would say this, though, Sue, um, and I understand your point, but I, I would draw a distinction between that area of Mexico driving it. across the border totally compared to get it. Cancun and Riviera Maya and Cabo and I places get it. like I that. I have friends that go there, and I totally understand it, but, but if you ever wonder why the rest of us don't, okay. it's this. Now, Having said what I just said, I can also tell you that, and this is a true story, in the area that I vacation, which is Todos Santos, north of Cabo, on the Pacific Ocean side, there was uh, there was a cartel hit that occurred. Oh that my occurred gosh. right there. And these, like, I had two musician friends that were playing on the beach before it was the day that we arrived a few years ago. They're playing now Todos is further north. This is actually not even in downtown Todos Santos, but it's his surf area, Cerritos Beach, that's um you know near north of Cabo. Anyway, they're playing music and they hear gunshots and what had happened was two two guys were just capped right there. The bodies laid there for a while. What we this is interesting though. I remember telling you about this, yeah. Fred. We had a uh, a bartender who was a local. You know, we had some other locals, and they said that the dudes that killed the other guys, because apparently there was something went wrong. They were trying to grab him back in the car. It didn't happen. They shot him on the spot. But he said the other guys probably got, you know, yeah. eliminated too, because that's they try not to. This is part of the point of my story. There is a code, believe it or not, to not interfere with tourism. I'm sure there is. Yeah. I'm sure there is. And this was obviously not in a tourism spot. But uh, they went so far, apparently, when the when these people were missing, they were moving them, the bad guys, from building to building. They finally found them in a shack. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's just a mess. Um, but it, uh, two of them are still with us. Uh, Djokovic has had to officially withdraw from the BNP open in california because he was unable to get that waiver so stupid to come to it's the u.s without so being stupid. vaccinated when do you say fred they're lifting that may 11th may 11th is when all the federal you yeah, know we've had to, you know he declared it over uh-huh. four months ago but we can't do it until may 11th Mm-mm. it's just the, the Djokovic thing really does illustrate the lunacy of sticking with some of this stuff i know that our friend john ziegler who will be on the show tomorrow is going to have something to say about that because he's tweeted about it a little bit German scientists have discovered a fungus-killing bacteria that they have named after Keanu Reeves. <laughs> That's right. Scientists say they named it Keanomyosins because, quote, the leopeptides kill so efficiently that we named it after him because he, too, is extremely deadly in his roles. Someone on Reddit, of course, asked Keanu what he thought about it, and he said, quote, they should have called it John Wick. <laughs> That's pretty cool and surreal to me, but thanks, scientist people. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like something Keanu it would say, right? It? Yeah. Which I kind of loved. And finally, in Sue's news, we have today's random fact. Now, Fred, of course, this is for you, having just returned from Vegas. Hello, Fred Bottenheimer over there, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the most lucrative type of gambling for Las Vegas is slot machines. of their revenue comes from slots. 61%. And there you have it for Sue's News. That's, people just sit there all day and they put Hi, you know, money into those Ooh. slot machines. When I go to Vegas, I rarely, if ever, put money in a slot machine. Now, having said that, I throw my money away in many different ways, so it's not right, like I'm better right. off. But my mom plays slots all the time. Like She's on one of her cruise ships, or if she's up there in the casinos around Chicago, she'll hit you know, $2,000. 2500 3000 it, it happens. We were eating at one of the casino restaurants, 
And right outside, you could were all the machines, you know, right across the hallway. And there were people that were just sat there th- the entire time yeah. we were eating and just right. played nonstop just, for more than an hour. Oh my goodness! They must have been winning. Well, and Fred, you didn't get to uh, the you know the outskirts, the Henderson, the suburbs, but every grocery store you know has slot machines. You go to the grocery store, there's slot machines everywhere. It's just like the airport. Oh, the I remember airport the airport? Too, right? Yeah, that's funny. Uh, by the way, somebody, Mark, on uh, one of our feeds says the kitchen conservatory. She agrees with me. All right. Might have to check that out. I need a cooking lesson. Desperately. 424. Scott Jennings coming up next. He wrote a column in the L.A. Times. He's a politics guy, right? We wrote a column about the Cardinals' spring training and how the new rules are actually something that's sitting well with him. I, I think he's been taken over and abducted by an alien, but we'll find out next on 97.1 FM Talk on a Tuesday afternoon. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. I think I've mentioned before I have, uh, well, we have a couple of Cardinals fans who are contributors down in Louisville. Uh, Our friend Joe Arnold, who has been on with me before, and then, of course, Scott Jennings, one of our 97.1 FM Talk political insiders. We talk baseball and we text back and forth about the Cardinals. They're both huge Cardinals fans. So I'm groggy this morning. I'm, I'm waking up. I see a text that came in early this morning from Jennings. And it says, opinion, baseball's new pitch clock is the best thing since sliced bread. In the L.A. Times, mind you. So I click on that thing, come to find out that it was Scott Jennings that wrote this piece. And I think maybe aliens have abducted you, Jennings. Are you okay? I mean, this is you? This is really you? I'm fine. I'm fine. Look, I've seen six games (laughs) under the new regime. And I'm just telling you, I was, as my piece says, I was skeptical. I was leery. But the pitch clock works, the shift van works, and I think people are going to love it. I didn't. I saw six games, not a single game was over three hours, and all were appropriately paced. And I think it's going to be a great viewing experience, especially for people with little kids, which I have and yeah. often lament uh, what, it, what it's like to take you know small children to a four-hour game. Well, and I, you know, my my daughter likes baseball. She really does. She loves baseball, and it's the one sport she enjoys going to live. But we do pull out, you know, sometimes the seventh inning just because of the time. But it was funny. Honestly, I saw the headline, and I knew it was in the L.A. Times. I didn't make the association with you. Then when I saw your name on the byline, I honestly thought, well, that headline has to be just sarcasm, right? And I read the damn thing, and here you are, and you admit, like you said, you were a skeptic. But after doing this, and we, we spoke, I think, last Monday after you had seen a couple of games, but you're pretty satisfied with the way this went. Yeah, I thought it was good. Look, I think, you know, there's going to be the occasional, you know, end-of-game mishap, but that's probably going to be very minimal as the players get used to it. Uh, and I think it's going to function mostly like the play clock in football. Very rarely – does a penalty get called for violating the play clock? But occasionally it happens, and the penalty is minuscule. It's a ball or a strike, depending on who committed it. To me, uh, as consequential as the play clock is the ban on the shift. I saw a lot of base hits up the middle and through the right or left side that likely would have been gobbled up in a shift. And so I think uh, I read that the expected batting average last year, had they had a shift ban, would have gone up by 12 points. The batting average last year was 243 league-wide, which was the worst since 1954. So more base hits, more runners on base, a faster pace game. I mean, ultimately, 
Don't you think it's good for baseball? Uh, I for do. All those things that happen. Yeah, I mean, th- this is jarring though for baseball fans because we're not used to seeing a big clock behind the batter, and you know, it's awkward. You're a purist. I'm a bit of a purist. Our friend Joe Arnold. I'm very concerned about him. Is he okay after reading this? No, he's very unhappy. He's at a work conference in Nashville, and he he called me this morning, and he is already drafting a rebuttal. And I told him that newspapers don't typically print twenty five thousand word. <laughs> Uh, rebuttals to uh, opinion columns, so he's going to have to trim it down. Uh, he's but but he hasn't seen a game yet. And what I would say to people who are skeptical is go to a game, go to a couple of games. I watched the clock pretty closely the first couple of games, but as the week went on, it really does set a rhythm, and you don't even really notice it. And I'll sell, I'll tell you, you'll be able to tell within a couple of seconds of the pitcher getting the ball back whether he's going to make it or not, <laughs> because. On the rare occasion that the pitcher starts walking around and pacing around, and you can tell, okay, you're in trouble. But most of them got the ball back, got on the rubber, got the pitch, delivered the pitch. But, it, it was very few infractions. But was it was it more of a challenge? Because I've always felt like throughout this thing in this experiment, it's going to be more challenging for some of the batters because they have all those routines that go on endlessly. Yeah, um, a couple of pitcher uh, pitches were called strikes on batters because. They didn't square up, and we've seen that in a few games. Most batters just climbed right in there. But, yeah, look, I, I think there's a handful of players, pitchers and batters, that are, that are going to have to change. I mean, uh, Gallegos for the Cardinals is a great example. I think he had the longest pitch uh, uh, interval last year at 26 seconds. And so a guy like that, yeah, you're going to have to change a little bit. But I think that's the minority of players. I think most players don't mind just getting the ball, grabbing the bat, hopping in, and playing the game. At the end of the game – I think you could see people complaining about it being rushed a little bit because of how consequential those at-bats are, but I think that's the vast minority of situations. I think this is going to set a pace that fans are going to like, people are going to want to go to the ballpark, and no one's going to complain if people are going to the park and having a good time doing it. Did, did I see one at-bat? I can't remember if we shared this one with Matt Adams. Where Are the batters allowed to call a timeout, or what's the rule on the timeouts? Yes, you can call one timeout. Uh, and, and pitchers can also step off. So okay. it's not like they're locked into this clock, you know, and it, and it is the end-all, be-all. You can still have a step out. Now, if you do it again, uh, you're in trouble. Yeah, but so, I saw so the, on the Matt Adams thing, I think I saw the pitcher stayed set, and as soon as he got in there, then the pitch was thrown, and Adams didn't even have time to react. Yeah, there, was a, there have been a couple of people who've tried to game it. Max Scherzer was one where basically Scherzer waited, then he stepped off, then a batter stepped out, and then he quick pitched it. And I think they actually called a balk on Scherzer in that case. So I think you're going to see people testing it out and trying to violate the spirit of it. The Red Sox, I think, the other day violated the spirit of the shift ban by taking their left fielder and moving him all the way over to just off the grass. Oh, yeah, I saw that, right too. Side. Yeah, right. Yeah, that was uh, interesting as well. Well, look, you know, one of the reactions I got when, when I tweeted this out from you this morning was from John Rutledge, who is here in St. Louis, and he is a listener. I, uh, I played golf with him. I met him last year when I was down in the uh, Sanibel Captiva area, or should I say former Sanibel area. But John said that his son, Jackson, who is a stud pitcher from St. Louis in the national system, rather likes it right now. So, you know, I think it's an adjustment. If it speeds up the game, I'm all for it. A half an hour is about what they're cutting off the games. I'll tell you who's freaking out right now. The people who have to calculate how many fewer hot dogs they're going to sell. <laughs> because point. I'm telling you, you will, be, you will be in the park a half an hour less. And how much less beer, how many fewer hot dogs <laughs> are you going to sell? They're going to have to find ways to sell more of it uh, uh, earlier in the game. 
Well, maybe, but, you know, think about what I said about my daughter, too, because what if it's an opportunity for some people who pull out early to say, okay, we're going to last, we're going to stay the whole game, you know? Yeah, oh, look, I I have taken my kids to a a bunch of baseball, minor league and major league, and because of of how long it takes, and because, frankly, the later you get in the game, the more time elapses between action. It's hard to keep the kids engaged. I, I will tell you, having watched these games, You'll be engaged the entire time. The pace is that good. It'll be like the NBA with the shot clock. You know, every possession, something's going to happen within a, a period of time that is attention-grabbing. So, uh, I don't know. I'm, I think you and I are in the same boat. We've both bought a lot of baseball tickets, and we both wound up uh, not seeing the ends of a lot of games. Yeah. I think that's totally going to change for parents with young kids. Scott Jennings with us. He wrote that piece. If you want to check it out, I put it up on Twitter, at Mark Reardon, KFTK. It was in the L.A. Times this morning. Let me segue into politics here because, and I know you were on CNN earlier today talking about DeSantis. Did you see this column in the Washington Post by Kevin Blackestone, who is suggesting that MLB pulls out of Florida because of, uh, you know, Jim Crow 2.0, which is a big lie anyway? Have you seen this piece yet? I have seen it, and and I just have to say, this worked amazing for Governor Stacey Abrams down in Georgia when when they ran the All-Star game out of Georgia over this thing. This is – treating Ron DeSantis this way is is the biggest tell of how much these kinds of people need Donald Trump. Donald Trump is their business. He is their lifeblood. I was on CNN several times the last two days. Every Democrat is describing Ron DeSantis and his agenda as worse than Donald Trump. They want Trump. They are so desperate for Trump to be renominated. I think this column is, is really part of that regime. The talking points have gone out. It's really ludicrous. Here's DeSantis giving a state of the state address. We bucked the elites. We ignored the chatter. We did it our way, the Florida way. And the result is that we are the number one destination for our fellow Americans who are looking for a better life. You know, as you know, Scott, he was not at CPAC. In fact, there were a lot of people who were at CPAC. I think that some of the luster has worn off of that. But he gave a great speech at the Reagan Library over the weekend. Yeah, and it, and actually, if you listen to the whole speech, it's extremely optimistic. It's forward-looking. It's a freedom-centric agenda. You know, Trump's speech at CPAC was dark. It was backward-looking about retribution and vengeance. And I really think if you're looking for somebody who's going to run for president— uphold the policy direction of the party, uphold the conservative viewpoint on the cultural uh, issues we have in the country today, but do it in a forward-looking, optimistic way, DeSantis is going to be your guy. Now, that having been said, Trump's had a pretty good role in the polling the last couple of weeks. He's like the Terminator in Terminator 2. Just when you think you've melted him, (laughs) he recoagulates, and he's back, and he's standing right behind you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right, Jennings, one more thing, only because I see it in here. Fred puts all this audio in for me. I, I often contribute to that, a lot of it. This one I have not heard, so let's just share it together. This is the vice president. Apparently, it says here, talking about water. The water policy can go in all these different... It, it flows in different directions. <laughs> oh, I have puns on water. <laughs> well, there you go. That kind of sums it up mm. with the cackle there from the vice president. Oh. I when know. you hear that cackling, you know something bad's about to happen because she has no idea what, what sentence is coming out of her mouth next. When that, that cackle is the biggest nervous tick in American politics and nothing good ever happened before it or after it. I think that's why when asked, you know, you, you've seen kind of Jill Biden get back on her heels a little bit about whether or not the president's going to run. I think she kind of wants to say, yes, yeah, he's got to run because look at what the other options are. 
And we know there's no love loss between no. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. I don't think Joe Biden's forgotten that Kamala no. Harris straight up called Joe Biden a racist, racist yep, that's in the right. Democrat primary Absolutely. debate. All right, Jennings, thanks for the LA Times uh, call because I think it does open a lot, you know, offer a lot of hope for baseball fans here that are not really sure what we're going to encounter in a couple of weeks. And we're getting closer to real games. I didn't want to ask you about Wayno. Did you see Wayno? I did. I saw him twice and uh, uh, cover me concerned about yeah, the velocity. Yeah. And I know there's, I know the excuses. He burned his hand and he's got a thing in the let, whatever. I just, it's concerning. Yep. I'm <laughs> concerning. concerned too. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. See you, Mark. The Telegraph uh, in the UK publication, news organization. Dave Strom wrote about this. I love Dave Strom. He's my new favorite at hotair.com. Don't tell Jazz Shaw, but I like uh, I like both those guys and their guests on the show. The Telegraph is doing wonders with its efforts to mine the, there are like 100,000 WhatsApp messages leaked to it by a reporter who ghost wrote a book for former UK health minister, Matt Hancock. So Hancock wanted to churn a book out celebrating his genius leading the government's COVID response. And he handed over his archive messages between him and other government officials, including the exchanges between ministers and bureaucrats to the ghostwriter who's going to write the book, right? Mm. It's a woman. She wrote the book for him, but she also leaked the messages to the public. And as Dave wrote about it, on hot air, neither he nor the British government comes out looking very good in the messages, which were clearly, when you see this, never intended to see the light of day. One of the things that came out in the last couple of days, and there's a bunch of revelations here that are somewhat troubling, and the reason this is important, I would say, is because when you hear this, you're going to the same stuff happened here. All right. What happened over across the pond in the UK, you know, it happened here. Some of it's been exposed, but he refused to change the quarantine requirements that were imposed on people who had been exposed to COVID positive patients, because I talked about this um, back in probably the end of even maybe even the end of 20. Right. But if you remember originally the quarantine, it was ridiculous. It was like 10 to 14 days. Right. Oh, yeah. Even if you come into contact with someone. I mean, I had to keep my daughter out of school one time for two weeks, not because she had COVID, but because I think it was Becky that had. I don't even know what it was. It was just utterly ridiculous. I remember getting the call. Well, this is what we have to do. And it was only because. Oh, that was it. So we, I was dumb enough. See, th- these are the things that you go back and you look at yourself. I don't even know if I ever told you this story, uh, Sue, because it happened before I was on 97.1. I was at KMOX. I went to deer camp that first year of COVID. And my dear friend and hunting uh, partner, Carlin Yeager, I hung with a couple of brothers and their family in Howard County. And Carlin attempted to murder all of us because he came in that day and he was COVID positive in this little cabin and none of us got it. Now, the reason was is because we think that he and his wife who tested positive were shedding virus and they were still thrown off. And research came out about this very quickly after that particular deer camp that showed, yes, you can spit off a positive test a couple of months after you get COVID. It's certainly possible. So when I called the school in the aftermath that look, we had, we were, everybody was scared. Remember we were all being told this thing is just going to float out of the air and just kill you. Right. Like a lightning strike. So I called the school and they're like, yeah, we got to keep it for, for like 10 to 14 days. So the reason that this guy, Mr. Hancock in the UK, the health minister, didn't want to change, even though the scientific evidence was clear that five days was a much better policy. I'd argue in the end it was three days. He refused to change the guidance. You know why he didn't want to change the guidance? 
He didn't want to admit that the government was wrong. So for almost a year, and we did this crap here, I almost said a different word, too. The UK government locked people away for 10 to 14 days after exposure to COVID, knowing full damn well that it was unnecessary and harmful to people. Here, Matt Hancock rejected advice from England's chief medical officer to replace the 14-day COVID quarantine with five days of testing because it would imply that we're getting it wrong. Mr. Hancock was told by Professor Sir Chris Whitty in November of 2020, that's the same period that I'm talking about here, that it would be pretty well as good for contacts of positive COVID cases to test for five days in lieu of Fortnite's isolation. WhatsApp messages between the two have also revealed that the 14-day quarantine period was likely to have been too long all along. Of course it was too long all along. It was one of the dumbest things. And, and here's how the sheep, and when I say the sheep, I'm going to include a lot of us in that, because corporations, government, everybody came in. Oh, we got it. So if someone got it here, remember, Sue? The memo would go out. Somebody has tested positive yeah. for COVID. They can't be here in the building for this many days it was all a farce. It was all a scam. None of it was necessary. I mean, you can go back to the beginning of this when we were telling people, and I highlighted this from the very beginning. It didn't take me too long to catch on to the fact that this whole nonsense about washing your hands, although I would advise washing your hands, just kind of keep them, you know, clean for yourself. But this thing was never on surfaces, and we scared the crap out of people, making them believe that it could jump off you know, a train car or a bus or something like that. And then you had the companies that swooped in to disinfect. We had these ridiculous things on the handles of our doors here at Odyssey St. Louis that were supposedly disinfecting and killing the virus that was going to kill you if it didn't kill someone else first. The every There's not really, I can say it this way. And they did this in England for up to a year. They forced people to self-isolate for up to two weeks, knowing that this was unnecessary knowing that this was unnecessary. And to do that to adults, that's one thing. But to do that to kids when they're trying to be in school, and this story here might be about Matt Hancock and the UK, but we did the same stupid stuff around here. My, completing my thought from a moment ago, there's really not a day that goes by that I don't get even more angry about some of the ridiculous things that we as a government and as a society insisted upon from masking to not allowing people to go on merry-go-rounds at parks and to beaches. Uh, I'd say never again. have to mention that this song is perfect it's actually from yeah, a band is. it's from a band called the vaccines get more at 971talk.com